0: and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast I'm John Cook I'm a retired Baptist preacher with over 50 years experience in preaching and teaching the King James Bible God's holy word the purpose of this podcast is to present the Word of God as being just as relevant today as it was in the day that it was written today I'm going to take you into my Sunday school class at the Faith Baptist Church in Riverside, California. Okay, so Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So the very from the very start, the existence of God is declared. That's number two on your list. From the very start, the existence of God is declared because it says, in the beginning, God. God doesn't start out by trying to prove himself by trying to prove that He exists. In fact, no writer of Scripture spends any amount of time trying to prove that God exists. Simply declares that God exists. Now the funny thing about that is, is when you go into the systematic theology, almost the first thing you do is show that God exists. And it's their arguments for the existence of God. So we're going to kind of look at some of that, but we have to keep in mind that regardless of anything in the Bible, there's no question that God exists. And when we say that, that, that God is a part of His creation, that denies what verse 1 here says. Because it doesn't say he's, He is the creation, it says He is the Creator that'd be like saying that the man who built or person who built that, that bookcase over there that that's that person and we would say no that's what he built the person or people who built this house we'd say that, that's this house is that person no this house is the result of the labors of that person and the creation is the result of the labors of God in creating. Everything around us was created by God. And we were created by God. So there is absolutely nothing in this world that is God because everything in this world is created by God. The Holy Spirit is God moving in this world, moving in us as Christians. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh so man could see personally there's God. Then people say well no he couldn't be God because because God was in heaven. Well that's true. That gets into the Trinity. And when you get into the Trinity you really confuse people. Because the Trinity is something that people want to deny. But to begin with, is to understand that God simply declares His existence in this world. He doesn't argue it. He doesn't question it. And the only ones who do uh, question it, the Bible calls them fools. In the third point, I wrote down, to say the least, the Scripture takes the existence of God for granted now look at Psalm chapter 14 and Psalms chapter 14 and verse 1 the scripture says the fool hath said in his heart there is no God says they are corrupt they have done abominable works there is none that doeth good so God says if you say even in your heart there is no God then you simply have declared yourself a fool. Now here's an interesting thing. There are those who say, I'm an atheist. Okay, an atheist. An atheist says, there is no God. Period. Now, one reason why he's a fool is because that's a foolish statement. Because for him to say, there is no God is to admit there are absolutes. And the atheist says there is no, there are no absolutes. Everything is relative. So, then the other thing that shows them, they say, well, I'm not really an atheist, I'm agnostic. Years ago, I witnessed to a, to a carnival, at a, at a carnival in, I think it was in Salinas, California, I was in Canada, remember, I'm always confusing where I'm at. Uh, and, and and Salinas, and I tried to witness to him. He said, "I'm I'm an atheist." I said, "Oh, you? There is no God?" He said, "Yeah, that's that's what I believe." I said, "Now wait a minute. Do you know there is no God? Because an atheist, by definition, knows there is no God." I said, "Are you an atheist, or are you a?" Um, person who just simply doesn't know if there's a God. And that's the agnostic. Oh, he said, yeah, I'm an agnostic. See, he wants to sound educated. And by the way, the only people who ever say that they are atheist or agnostic are educated. Because it doesn't come naturally to us to say that. That has to be put into you. So he said, no, I, I guess I'm an agnostic. I said, well, do you know what that word means? He said, yeah, it means that I don't know if there's a God. I said, actually, it means you don't, have, you don't know, period. Because agnostic is just a, two words put together from another language that says no knowledge. I have no knowledge. That's really what the word agnostic means, no knowledge. It's not only just, I have no knowledge that there's a God, it's, I have no knowledge. And the funny thing about that is, and I told him this, I said, do you know that that's the same word we get our word ignoramus from? Because when you have no knowledge, you're ignorant. Now what educated person wants to say I'm ignorant because the whole point of education is so you can brag about what you know. But the funny thing is, is that to become an atheist, you have to brag about that you know there's no God when there's no possible way you could know that. All the evidence in the world points to the fact that there's a God. We're born with a natural knowledge that there is a God. We don't look at the stars and say they just happened. You have to be educated to say that. And so, the the whole idea of looking at theology is to see there is evidence for our faith. And the Bible, by the way, says faith is the evidence of things not seen. You, you hear you hear people say. Uh, blind faith. Well, there's nothing blind about faith. Faith is not blind. Faith is is based in itself on evidence. Faith is the evidence. That's why the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Because faith is the evidence. And so, only the fool would say there is no God. If you've decided that there's no God, you have decided that you're a fool. Because you don't even have to say it with your mouth. The Bible says the fool is said in his heart. So where does the problem start? Right here. The world's problem, number four, the world's problem with God is which also shows their foolishness, they say, I cannot believe in something I cannot see, touch, or feel. So the world says, I can't believe in something I cannot see, touch, or feel. Well, that in itself shows that the natural man, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So he believes that he cannot believe in anything that he cannot see, touch, or feel. Now here's the problem with that. Nature itself determines... That we have things that we cannot see, touch, nor heat, nor feel in nature. And yet we know that they're real. Can you see the wind? The Bible says you can't see it. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. And yet you know there's the wind. Well, I can touch it. No, you can't touch the wind either. but you can feel it you can feel its influence you can't feel the wind itself so a better illustration is this there are three rays we get from the Sun one we can see one we can feel and one we can't see or feel but it's there yet nobody questions that the Sun exists the real problem for man is this when it comes to God, is you're not going to believe in God ultimately. You can believe there is a God, but you will not ultimately believe in God unless you hear the gospel. Because to really understand what the Bible says about God, you've got to have the Spirit of God living in you. Because He's the one who teaches the scripture to us he's the one who opens the scripture to us he's the one who reveals to us the spiritual whereas the things that are natural we know from our nature but the things that are spiritual we can only know if God reveals them to us So man's real problem with spiritual things is he doesn't have the spirit of God. His problem stems from the fact that he has a bad heart. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? People say know your heart. Well God tells you right in the word of God you can't know it. It's deceitful. That's why people say, oh, I fell in love. And just a few weeks or time later, they fell out of love. What happened? Somebody got deceived. The heart is a problem. And our heart is desperately wicked. So let me ask you a question. If God is absolute holiness and righteousness, which we're going to discover as we go through and study about God, If God is absolute righteousness and holiness and our heart is absolute wickedness, do you think our heart wants to believe there's a God? Because our heart says, everybody's the same. We're all messed up. I'm not alone in being messed up. But our heart deceives us into believing things that just aren't true. People say, follow your heart. Do you ever follow your heart? Do you ever see where it leads you? It leads you down a dark path because you don't know where it's taking you. Because you say, Yeah, I just know by, my, I just feel in my heart I should do this. Why is it that not long after that you don't feel that anymore? Somebody deceived you. Over the years of being in the ministry, I've had people come and uh, come to church and uh, from other churches and they say oh we just know God led us to this church but after a while it seems like God leads them somewhere else somebody's following a God but it's not the God of heaven because God doesn't change his mind God won't mislead you but your heart will And the person who follows his heart in belief concerning God is going to be in deep trouble because his heart's deceitful. If you had somebody who you knew was a liar, it's a bad illustration, believe me, because it doesn't work in politics because we vote people in all the time that we know they're lying to us. It's like I saw a thing the other day and they said... See all this money we've taken in for the, for the road to repair the roads and look at all the potholes. And people seem shocked. When have you ever known the government to keep its word? But we voted back in. People are com- complaining all the time. I, you know, that cesspool in Washington, D.C. Drain the swamp was the big cry. Isn't it funny? The swamp is voted in by the people who want to drain it. That kind of stupid, but regardless of that. If you knew, if you had a known liar in front of you, would you follow him? Not if you had good sense, because you'd say, "Wait a minute, <clears throat> he's a liar." So I know what he's going to do. He's going to lie well the Bible says let God be true and every man a liar so the problem is man's heart number six the greatest proof of God's existence is the fellowship that we as born again believers have with him daily see somebody said years ago they said God is dead and somebody else came back and said no God's not dead I just talked to him this morning. One of the greatest proof that God exists and that he's real is because when we pray, he answers our prayers. In Matthew chapter 7, if you want to look there. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, And ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and he that knocketh, it shall be opened. So God says, if you pray, you ask, you seek, you knock, then you're going to get. Now, wouldn't it be senseless to pray to someone that didn't exist Although people do it all the time. Do you ever see somebody bow down to a stone carving and pray to it? Now common sense tells you that stone carving couldn't possibly do anything because it can't move of itself, it can't hear, it can't smell it can't feel. So how how in the world could it do anything for me? When I was in Quebec, there's a cathedral there. There's all kinds of cathedrals there, but this particular one sits way up on a hill, and there's a staircase, cement staircase, going up at, to that. Cathedral. I've seen people literally on their knees going up those stairs, praying, going up those stairs. And you know who they're praying to? The saint who built that cathedral, whose body is in a casket inside that cathedral. And his body is here and over in the wall over here <coughs> is his heart. Now it stands to reason if your heart is there and your body is buried or is in a casket here it stands to reason you're dead. There is no way then your heart can be over here, and your body can be over here, and you'll be alive. That's just impossible. Especially if they've sealed the casket. Because they can't even put lifelines to you. But yet people realistically go in there and pray to that casket, and place their hand where that heart is, and pray to that heart or they go up those stairs and when they walk into that cathedral and they go inside up at the very front there is a crucified Jesus hanging there and they pray to the crucified Jesus. We don't pray to a dead God. Our God's alive. And our God is not in a casket and his heart is not on a wall and he's not hanging on a cross. Though our God did that, he hung on that cross for us, but he didn't stay there. He died, was buried, and rose again the third day, never more to die. A dead God does nothing for you. That's why one of the strangest tales in the Bible, in the Old Testament, is about a certain man who made an idol, a graven image, and along came one of the tribes of Israel and stole his God. Can you imagine having your God stolen away from you? Well, that's possible if he can't do anything about it in reality, God is alive and we know it because when we pray He answers us. You ever ask God for something and He gave it to you? If you haven't, then you need to start with asking Him to save you. Because that's the start. Because when you trust Him as your Savior He comes in to live within you forever. And He does it the instant you ask Him. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know how difficult it is to get saved? Calling His name. God makes it so simple for us to get saved that many people stumble over it. They think it's going to church, getting baptized, living a good life, doing this, doing that, doing something else. But all you have to do is Pray call on him and the instant you call on him you're saved and in your Christian life he answers your prayers if you come to him you ask him he answers your prayers so answered prayer is proof that God's alive number seven says we have proof of God from nature itself. In Psalm chapter 19 and verse 1, the scripture says, "...the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard." So, God tells us, "...the heavens declare..." the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork so God's not arguing his existence here you know what he's telling you here's the evidence the heavens declare his glory have you ever looked at the at the sky and seen in a sunset how beautifully painted the, the sky is he declares his glory you ever look at the sunrise try to look at the sun when you were little you don't do it when you get older because you get smart about it but you look at the sun and it's so brilliant you have to turn your face you cannot possibly continue to stare at the sun without it doing damage that's his glory he says the heavens declare the glory of God the firmament showeth his handiwork I was listening to a to a uh, song. Somebody sang. And I'm not even sure who it was, but some song somebody was singing. It was called "The Coloring Book of God." What it was talking about was looking at the things around us. You look at the beautiful flowers that you see. everybody's going up by Lake Elsinore to see the to see the. Uh, 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 California poppies. You realize those are just weeds. <laughs> They're the things you kill off in your yard. But everybody's going there and paying to go up and look at it. You could do the same thing by growing them in your yard. <laughs> but <laughs> the reality, <laughs> the reality is, is that that they really are beautiful and it's amazing how God uh, shows in nature his glory and his perfection and his handiwork when we lived in Quebec people go to, to back east they go to Vermont and Maine and places like that and back there they actually put in the paper the schedule to go and see the leaves as they change and they're beautiful colors. Do you ever notice how God loves color? And how God loves variety? Not everything's the same around us, not everything looks the same around us. There's a variety. And so that's what he says here. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Every day, day unto day, uttereth speech. Night unto night, every night, showeth knowledge. When we look at the sky, and we look at the the sun, moon, and stars, we see knowledge. We see that it took somebody to make that it wouldn't stand to reason that it just blew up and there it was except to people who get educated. If I said to you, this simple watch it's a simple mechanism not to me but to somebody, it's a simple mechanism if I said to you, all this was laying out there and all the materials that are in there were laying out there, there was an explosion and this came together. You'd say that's not possible. And yet people look at nature, look at all the things that are around us and say nobody made this, it just happened. God says every day, every night the heavens give us knowledge that there's a God. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. That's why God says that they're without excuse. Because there's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So we have the very proof in nature itself because we look at nature and it demands a creator, a designer. Somebody had to design it. When they build a house, or get, what what Steve does in his job, somebody draws up the diagrams that designs it. Somebody had to design those things. Somebody didn't had to make those things, and somebody didn't have to install those things. But they installed them according to the plans. Is that right? Almost. So if I told Steve all that blew up, just all that stuff was laying out here, and it all blew up blew. There was a big explosion. And all of it came together, and it and it, it didn't need your job. Did they don't need you because it'll just it just naturally goes in place. You say no that. Probably doesn't work. On the other hand, if man's hand wasn't in it, it might not be as big a mess as it is. And we get the other side <laughs> of the after it's installed. It yeah. blows up. Yeah. That's it. That's what man does to it. But you see, what God made is perfectly designed. Everything works exactly like it's supposed to. Do you realize that if this sun, if this Earth was just a little bit closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If it was removed just a little bit farther from the sun, we'd freeze to death. You realize that the gravity was determined by God so that we could move around? Think about this. When God made this earth. The Bible says back there in Genesis, he says that the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Then it says God separated the waters which were below the firmament from the waters that were above the firmament. And the firmament is heaven. So There was an absolute ball of water down here over the earth. And God separated it. But before he made man, God caused the water to go into seas. And the Bible says, and dry land appeared. Only after there was dry land did God make that which lived on the dry land. Including us. Suppose God had reversed it suppose God had made man and the mammals that live on on the earth they live on land, suppose he had done that, what would have happened to us? If we'd have been in water we'd have drowned, his creation would have drowned it demands an intelligent designer somebody who knows what works and what doesn't work one time I asked uh, Dan, if he would do some soldering for me, well, actually, repair some soldering I'd done. And, uh, and Dan said, next time, don't do the soldering. <laughs> then let me know. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm not intelligent when it comes to stuff like that. Oh, boy. I'm not intelligent, period. Let's just. <laughs> but but the, the reality is, is that's, not, that's not something I know how to do. Now, my dad taught, tried to teach me how to do it, but it didn't work, evidently. Dan can testify to that. But, but the, the fact is, is that it's just not, I'm not intelligent in that area. Aren't you glad somebody was, that designed us knew what it would take for us to live? We then have proof from design. But we also, number eight, have proof for God in the very presence of the conscience we have in Romans chapter 2 if I could find it there it is Romans chapter 2 and let's see what I want verse 15 which show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another so We have the evidence that God exists by the very fact that the law of God is written in here. We have a conscience and that conscience tells us what's right and what's wrong. Did you know that there's among even heathen tribes without a written law they know this. Thou shalt not steal. There was a tribe that they found that they had nothing written. And their law was this. If you stole the hand you used to steal, they chopped it off. If you stole a second time, they chopped off your other hand. If you stole a third time, they chopped off your head. Now what told them that there was something wrong with stealing? Do you know that when we do, when we do things that, we, that, that are against what God says we should do? Did you know that it is the most natural thing in the world for us to be bothered by? It? And only by searing our natural conscience can we get away with sin in our lives. And that's only temporarily. Number nine says, the world is here and must come from somewhere. This is an argument we called from cause. Here's the, here's the world, that proves that it had to come from somewhere. The tenth thing, I've got to get finished this. The tenth thing is the design of this world, which we kind of covered before. And its system give testimony to the existence of God. So God shows us himself in the very design around us. One of the greatest things that that shows us God in the creation is the presence of the Trinity. For example, in the family there's what? Father, mother, and a child at least. Right? That's a family. When we talk about the family, we're not talking about just a father and a mother. In fact, you're not even a father or a mother until you have a child. Everything in nature points to the fact that there's a God. Everything. So there is a God, and God determines it. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Help us, Father, to do that which we ought to do. And help us, Father, to truly come to you in faith-believing. Lord, knowing that you exist and knowing that you hear and answer our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Hey, this is John Cook again. Thank you for listening to the John Cook Ministries podcast. Now, before you go, if you live in the Riverside, California area, I want to give you a personal invitation to visit the Faith Baptist Church where our pastor, Nathan Cook, preaches the word of God from the King James Bible. Before you hit that exit button, how about take some time and leave us a comment or maybe a prayer request or what question do you have that we might be able to answer for you? Let us know how we can help you. And don't forget to subscribe and you will get the next podcast just as soon as it is released. Well, we'll say goodbye for now. Join us in our next podcast. Till then, God bless.